Welcome to the Spot Actor Podcast. I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. There's a lot of talk about the mind-body connection, but do you know much about the science and physiology behind it? Have you heard of our love hormone, oxytocin? Do you feel you've lost connection and purpose? In today's podcast, we cover all of this and more to help you deepen your sense of well-being. My guest is Dr. Brad Bongiovanni, who is also called Dr. B by his former patients and Dr. Love by those who know his work. After over 20 years practicing as a naturopathic physician, Dr. Bongiovanni now works with executives, leaders, and change makers worldwide, helping them to experience love, purpose, and connection in their own life so they can authentically share their experience and lessons with their tribe. This helps create a ripple effect to maximize the impact of deepening well-being for even more people. Dr. Bongiovanni is an award-winning professional and corporate speaker, has a TEDx talk, and has been on ABC, NBC, and Fox affiliates talking about his expertise of the biology of social connection. In today's interview, we talk about what true well-being is and how we can remove the blocks to achieving it. So please enjoy this interview. Brad, it's so great to have you on the Spot Doctor podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm very excited. There's nothing more that I love talking about than what we're about to talk about today. All right. And you, you and I went to school together um, many years ago. 20 many years moons ago. ago. <laughs> and you've taken a different turn. You're not in clinical practice anymore. You've kind of you did a TEDx talk recently. You've got this important message that you have learned about from seeing patients, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, after 22 years in patient care, I've decided to pivot and really impact more people, I think, is what I want to do. Because after two decades, I've learned a few lessons that I'd like to share um, with your tribe and your viewers um, today about what's underneath a healthy lifestyle and that foundation that I've learned from my own patients really needs to be set before we can really start to build this house of um, true and deep well-being. Yeah, so let's let's figure out what that is because you know I, I know how true this is because so often people patients will come in and they'll try every diet, every supplement. They say they've done it all. And there is this foundation this, that you're talking about that really does need to be in place for, for complete healing to occur. People can get 50% better, 60%, maybe even 80% better, but to get fully healed, we're, uh, there's a missing piece that a lot of people are, are missing out on. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing watching patients with the same conditions um, and the same history, the same symptoms, and why is it that some patients really get better faster than others? And not only the quickness, but the ease of which they regain their health again. And after you know, 20 years of watching this and, and observing, um, and then going back into the literature as a doctor too, to figure out where, where, why, what, what explains all of this, it really is setting a foundation. Um, that gets missed a lot, even though there's great amounts of research, like very robust research out of places like Harvard, out of places like um, University of Michigan, 
that, I mean, and, and more, that are really, that have already published what is the foundation and how important and how really, not even important, but how medically powerful is it in comparison to other things that we hear about all the time. So I wanna make sure we bring those things back to the forefront for patients, but also for other doctors that might be listening too. Okay, so what is that foundation? Well, okay, let's start at the beginning. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of using the word well-being um, over the word wellness. I don't know about you, but for some, I've, I've lost the taste for the word wellness because it's been so diluted. It means to me, it means nothing anymore. I mean, because insurance companies are adopting that jargon and conventional medicine is adopting that jargon. You see drug commercials on TV talking about wellness. It's like completely diluted. But I really feel like well-being is what we all want. We all want to feel good in our body, have energy, um, feel connected, feel valued, feel on purpose, feel alive. Um, and we need to really, we, that's all, what we want. And that's why we go to the doctor. We're, we're going to the doctor because we have symptoms, but it's because what those symptoms are preventing in us having in our life, better connections, better intimacy, more money, whatever it may be for you, just the ability to have the energy to enjoy your time with your family instead of being exhausted. Those are why we go to the doctor. So if we peel this back a little bit, right? Um, you know, stress, you and I know stress and inflammation underlie almost all chronic disease. So how do we take advantage of that? How do we biohack the stress axis and the inflammatory axis? Well, there's ways to do it using things like love or oxytocin, which we'll get into, and purpose in life and connection. So those are the foundations that really need to be in place so that we can really take advantage of the science, the way the human physiology works to reduce stress, reduce inflammation, improve our well-being, improve our, our health, and also in the process, live longer with more vitality and more independence and more, um, you know, instead of, you know, more lack of independence or more dependence as we age. So that's what I want to chat about today is a little bit deeper with you is oxytocin and love, what that means and purpose and connection and then how do we bring it all together. Right. And we are as a society, we're living longer, but we want our bodies and our minds to keep up with with all of, um, of that, you know, the lengthening of the age that yeah. we're living, we want to continue to enjoy the quality of life, right? So yeah. this is so important. So explain what, can you tell everybody what oxytocin is and why it's so important? Okay, so most people I think have heard of that word oxytocin before. It's a neuropeptide or a neurohormone. It's produced in the brain. Most of us relate it to childbirth because it's what causes that feeling of bonding, that feeling of trust, and connection and bonding. But oxytocin really has um, effects on our stress response. So um, just think of it this way, oxytocin is, very, is, is a hormone that is a very strong anti-stress response. Um, we, and now we can peel that back and talk medical pathophysiology stuff, but we won't. Um, just know that oxytocin is produced in our brain. It's produced when we feel trust and connection. 
And so we have to think about what, what are those things in our life that cause us to feel that way um, so that we can have more and more and more. And what we're going to end up doing is really downshifting our stress response. Um, and as we downshift our stress response, <laughs> you and I, again, know so many things improve. No matter what your symptoms are, whether they're asthma or skin or psoriasis or headaches or migraines or mood disorders, I mean, the list goes on and on about the relationship between cortisol and stress and, um, and those, those symptoms or those conditions. So how do we take back control and what we can control? Um, and oxytocin is one of those things. So, yeah. um, well, I mean, and I was just gonna, you know, I think this is so important too, because with skin problems, so many, so many people in my audience, um, listeners are struggling with skin or have struggled with skin problems and they're both, they both cause stress and are triggered by stress. So, mm -hmm. and inflammation, like you mentioned, stress and inflammation, and I call it skin inflammation when that internal inflammation shows up on the skin. So sure. again, these are so important for skin, but overall health. And you now it totally makes sense what you're saying about oxytocin because as, as you mentioned, it's, it's that hormone that's released when women give birth and helps them kind of forget all the pain that they just went through, all that stress response, and actually be able to totally fall in love and connect with their baby, yeah. which yeah. is, it's such an innate thing as a human that we, it, we need for survival. Yes. And um, so I, I wanted, though, I think a lot of times people think of it as a, a women's hormone yeah. because of that, but men have it too, right? Men have it too. And if you read anything about oxytocin, you'll read a lot about sex inevitably because oxytocin is released through kissing and hugging and cuddling and romantic connection, orgasm, right? But it's more than that also. Oxytocin can be released for men or for women. Oxytocin is actually shown to be released when you go to a shooting range and shoot, shoot guns. Wow. Oxytocin's shown to be released when you ride a roller coaster. So oxytocin is really associated with those experiences for anybody that cause you or me or somebody else to feel alive, to feel exhilarated, to feel connected, to feel vibrant, to feel like that was amazing. Um, and so it could be laughter, it could be um, music, it could be a lot of things, which is not gender specific. And my whole one of the pieces of my message is we've got to learn to identify what are our oxytocin buttons. What is mine? What is yours? Um, what is, you know, Aunt Susie's? <laughs> it doesn't matter. We all need to worry about what makes me feel connected, alive, exhilarated, um, just like, just so, so wonderful. And it can be anything, really. Um, and how do we carve out more of our day, our schedule, our life to make sure we are pushing, pushing, pushing our own oxytocin buttons? And is there a genetic, so a couple of questions this brings up for me, is there, is there a genetic uh, com, uh, component to this where like some people release oxytocin more than others or differently or triggered by different things? And the other is, what about dopamine and serotonin? Because I think yes. a lot of times people think of those types of exhilarating things yes. as more they're, related to those neurotransmitters. They're all, they're all interconnected. So first there are um, what you would call, you know, you know what your, I don't know if your listeners will know, but genetic mutations, right? SNPs, 
that are associated with the oxytocin receptor or the gene that um, code for the oxytocin receptor. And there are, um, there are genetic impairments in your oxytocin receptor that some people may have and that other people may not have. Uh, unfortunately, those are not ready for prime time. They're used in the research setting, which is very interesting to read about, but they're not something that a doctor yet can just order for a patient, just like we would order NTHFR mutation analysis or something like that. But yes, there is um, genetic predispositions and mutations associated with that. And your second question was... Um, so serotonin. Oh, yeah. Dopamine. Yeah. Yes. And there is a big interrelationship with those because, especially with dopamine, because uh, oxytocin will sort of um, traverse the same neural pathways alongside and parallel with a lot of the dopaminergic reward pathways. And so, again, this is not far fetched. We've heard of the connection, you know, our pun intended, between people who are addicted and this concept that addiction stems from a lack of connection. And they're trying to stimulate um, that, that, that lack of connection through their, addictive, their, their addiction of choice. But when we stimulate oxytocin, we also are stimulating dopaminergic neurons, which cause, ding, 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 that feeling of a pleasant reward. And so those two things do travel together. Um, the other neurotransmitters that are associated with oxytocin that people should understand, oxytocin is anti-stress. It will help raise GABA levels or stimulate those GABAminergic neurons. It will also um, weaken or suppress glutaminergic neurons, which are excitatory and associated with mood disorders. So um, it, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, orchestration and beauty in the symphony of neurotransmission that oxytocin you can take advantage of because like i said you can choose to do things that stimulate your oxytocin buttons and therefore be more intentional about really creating the sense of well-being in your life right and i know that there are uh oxy you can do oxytocin nasal spray like with yeah. a compounding pharmacy uh, but what you're talking about is actually doing things, which is probably, you know, this is like support. This is totally naturopathic yeah. support your body <laughs> own innate ability to exactly. heal with certain, by like removing the obstacles to healing. And so what are some yeah. of the things that we can do to naturally boost our oxytocin without having to take it as a nasal spray? <laughs> yes. Um, so the things that we know are uh, physical connection. So hugging, kissing, um, obviously things like sexual activity and orgasm, but beyond that, um, laughing, uh, spending time with really good friends, listening to music that really moves you. It doesn't matter what really kind of music it is, what music that moves you. Um, like I said, going to a shooting range has been shown to increase oxytocin. Riding roller coasters has been shown to increase oxytocin. And those are some of the more unique things that you can do. Oh, one I, that I also forgot is interesting, which again, you're not going to be surprised about, but there are certain probiotics that, that have been shown in not just animal studies, but in human studies to actually promote oxytocin release. And not only promote, ox yes, promote oxytocin release through their bacterial metabolites, but then of course, gut brain, brain gut, those bacterial metabolites talk to the brain and initiate our own 
release of oxytocin. So again, I, we, you know, we love gut brain health, right? Gut brain access discussions, but it is real. There are, there are, we have to take care of our microbiome, of our gut. And that's another way that we can understand why gut health is so important. I mean, there's so many reasons, not just in our gut, but because of the gut's relationship to our, our stress response in our, in our brain. Yeah, and then taking it, you know, making, connecting another dot is the gut, brain, skin access, because skin, the skin, there's the skin microbiome, and it all ties in together. And, you know, here we are again, the, the importance of tying all this in, and, and the gut is such a key component of that. Can you explain to people a little bit more about that gut brain connection for people who haven't heard about that? Can you explain sure. why that's so important and how it plays into neurochemistry? Yeah. Because it's so well, far apart. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I mean, really think of it as, um, you know, your brain, your, well, first of all, your gut is also called your second brain because about 80% of your nervous system is actually in your gut versus your brain. Okay, so now how do they communicate? It's very simple, really. There's a, there's a nerve called the vagus nerve that goes from your brain and innervates your gut. And the wonderful thing for people to understand is the brain talks to the gut via this vagal nerve highway and the, and the gut talks to the brain. So there's this loop of bi-directional communication going on. And we know people who have diagnosed, you know, things like IBS and their anxiety flares their IBS, their gut symptoms. And also their gut symptoms can also flare their anxiety. So the gut is the center, right, of, of <laughs> the center of disease and it's also the center of health, including all the way out through our skin, our brain, our bones, our lungs. Uh, you know, there's really nothing that our gut doesn't impact and it's it's what i want people to really understand is a lot of neurotransmitters the things that we think come out of our brain like serotonin like dopamine a lot of those neurotransmitters are also manufactured in our gut okay and then they and then they get you know um distributed out into the bloodstream or through the nervous system back up from our gut enteral nervous system, our gut, our gut nervous system into our central nervous system. So you cannot escape the gut, which is why it's important to understand what food are we putting in? How is stress impacting your gut? What kind of microbes are affecting your gut? What kind of infections is our immune system trying to resolve that may be hidden or chronic or um, elusive? All of these things really, um, just make the, our gut health so paramount, especially as it relates to dis, um, disarming our stress response. Because as we, again, everything can be driven back to, if we want a life of health or free from chronic disease, we've got to lower stress and the effects of stress over time, and we've got to lower inflammation and keep inflammation levels low over time. And the gut plays a huge role in that. Right. And you did mention inflammation in the beginning as being one of the key underlying causes. And so you're, what you're talking about is the gut and healing the gut and addressing the gut microbiome, that that is a really good way to help with inflammation, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then with oxytocin, one of the things that helps with is connection. 
talk, let's talk about the importance of connection. What have you found on that? Um, so let's make sure we talk about connection and then let's make sure we talk about purpose too. Yeah. So connection. So I like to call, I, this is my favorite line that I love to say, you know, will the real vitamin C please stand up? And the real vitamin C is connection. Connection <laughs> has, is, is probably of those three, of love, of purpose, of connection, in terms of driving deep well-being. Connection, in terms of its relationship to chronic disease and stress, may be the most powerful. So there are um, mortality risks, uh, mortality risk uh, data that have come out of, um, of University of Michigan and, um, and like places like Harvard that have clearly shown of all the things that lower our risk for death and help us live longer, we, we know about exercise, we know about, um, we know about um, obesity, we know about nicotine and alcohol and exercise, but guess what? The one at the top of the list with the best or most significant impact of all, of all risk factors looked at is connection, is the quality and the extent of our social networks. And where do we, you know, I'm not seeing commercials of, on TV about connection. I'm seeing commercials on TV about this drug, that drug, or the other drug. Um, and there also, I want people to understand, this is very, very biological. So all the way back to our genes, there's a whole field of medicine, which you probably know, your, your viewership probably does not know, that there's a whole field of medicine called social genomics. It's what happens to our genes under different social circumstances. So what they found is that there is a clear connection of um, feeling socially lonely or socially isolated, and that has a direct impact on our genes, and the opposite is true, and we feel socially connected. Certain genes turn on, certain genes turn off. Those genes happen to be heavily related to stress and inflammation um, and the immune system and cytokines and all of those things. So this is like, this is like mind blowing because just our social connections can impact what our genes are doing and on off inflammation, on off. Um, and so we've got to take advantage of that. And we've got to take advantage of making sure we know how we feel connected. It's not about having a thousand friends. It's about having fill in the blank number of friends where you feel valued. You feel like you belong. You feel like they, they get you. These are my people. Um, for some people that's, you know, for some people that's two people. It's all they need. Other people, it's a, it's a hundred. It doesn't matter. It's just what makes you feel um, like you have people that have your back, that you can be real with, that you don't have to edit yourself with, that you can rely on when the chips are down, and, um, and where you are valued and acknowledged and appreciated. And so that's, that's what we're trying to get people to, um, I guess, take a look at their own lives. And faith, you know, are you really feeling connected when you check your Facebook account? <laughs> and your Instagram account and your Twitter account. Now, I, I use social media, but I also realize that's not where I feel connected. I feel connected when I spend time with people I love and trust and, and laugh with and have fun with. Um, and so I really have 
over the last few years, I've really dedicated a lot of time and effort to making sure that piece of my life is in place. Yeah, that's, that's so, that's so beautiful. I mean, I, uh, I'm, I, I love creating community and I, I think it's something that I would say that, I mean, people, people say it's one of my, like my superpowers is I like creating communities and, and, and doing that, like curating groups and stuff. So where people have that sense of connection. So I love this. And you know, what I found is that it's so important to have that in-person time. And we're, we're spending, like you're saying, we're spending so much time on social media and on our computers working from home more or working digitally in the, in the online mm. space. And it, it is important to understand how it all plays together. I personally find that like the Facebook groups and these smaller communities online help kind of fill in the gaps a little bit when, you know, maybe you can't always see these people sure. that you really love to be with. But I find that when I go into the Facebook groups, that it kind of rekindles those feelings of like, oh, this is my tribe. These are my people yeah. that get me. Um, at the same time, I still have to see them in person occasionally. And, and so it's an interesting balance of figuring out, like you said, each person is different and, and what kind of in-person co connection you need versus how you can use the, you know, the good side of the virtual space to yeah. connect. Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't think it's black and white. I think there are um, gray areas and I think everyone experiences things differently. So you, you lay that up very, very well in terms of um, your experience of some of the Facebook groups that you're involved with, whether you're um, just in them or leading them is makes you feel good, makes you feel like if I can't be there with them in person, at least I can be there with them digitally or virtually and you still experience the same good healthy, connected, valued, like you're contributing or you're being contributed to type feelings. And that's, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how we get there, in my opinion, it just matters that we get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are tips that you have for people to help build that connection if people don't have it? I think you got to start, you know, look at where you are, look at yourself, and really ask yourself very just personal questions. Like, if I didn't have to justify anything to anyone, like what would really make me feel good? Or what have been those situations as I sort of audit backwards my life where I felt really like I belonged or people understood me or I felt valued? And really just start to dissect what those things were for you. That's, that's really the most important thing. And then, you have to start making a commitment that you're going to choose and start with one, start with one thing that you could, that you've let go or that you want to get back that you know would make you feel good and just start committing to that. And I think what you'll find is it'll start having more of a ripple effect. Um, so first is really just looking at yourself and knowing what works for you. Don't worry about anybody else. Just what works for me what works for me to make me feel connected. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I do think it's really important. I do think that uh, we're seeing a lot of mental health issues, a lot of depression, anxiety for people, young people too. And it seems like it, certainly in Park City, it's, uh, it's a real issue with the, the teens here, um, the kids here. 
this depression. And I think a lot of that has to do with this lack of real connection mm -hmm. and that they're on there, they're using their, maybe their, you know, their devices that they, you know, too much, their phones and things too much yeah. and not getting a real sense of connection. They feel like, you know, it's sort of like sort of connected, but yeah, uh, yeah it's not, it's not real connection. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a parent. <laughs> I've got two, two teenagers and it's a different world, right? Than what we grew up in. And so I'm still as a parent learning, how do I navigate this? Because I, of course we see it in them that they're, you know, they're on their phones and the way they communicate is all virtually, you know, kids don't even like to actually talk on the phone. They just like to, you know, text or snap something or snapchat a chat you know inside the chat or whatever <laughs> um and so we have to understand we, we do live in a new world but we i think we just have to make sure there's balance um and balance like old-fashioned naturopathic stuff like just get out and like take your shoes off and walk uh, you know go for a walk with your shoes on and like roll in the grass and breathe some fresh air go for a hike um, and I think sports are actually a really good option, although not every um, kid is going to be attracted to sports, but because they're moving, they're socializing, they're actually engaging, um, that I find that it, and, and it gets them off their freaking phone for like an hour or two hours or whatever they're doing. Um, but it could be other activities too. So uh, I don't have the answer for that, but it's, it's, I think just, ensuring we don't completely isolate into this totally virtual world which i think is at the root of a lot of young people's distress and stress and anxiety and depression and addiction and um we just have to go back to the, the more of a simple structure of who are you where do you feel good what is your purpose um, and how do we get you feeling like valued and connected again? Right. Because the, you know, the phone, it's really the, the, the way that it's often used is really in a, it's, it ties into addictive patterns. It is an addiction. Yeah. So like you were saying, what drives people to addiction is that lack of connection, a lack of love, lack of purpose. And it, 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 it ties into the gut brain neurotransmitters, all of us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's absolutely connected. So let's talk about purpose because I, I think this is a really important one too, because it, that was one of the reasons why when I was seeing patients, I mean, I still see patients, when I was seeing patients years ago, I started to feel like something was missing and both for me personally and for my patients, like they would they would follow a program, you know, a diet program or something, and then fall off of it. Supplements, they'd stop taking them, and they, they'd go back to their old patterns. And I thought, yeah. what is this? And I realized that, uh, you know, for me, I, I went, ended up going to back to school, went to University of Santa Monica, spirit, got a spiritual a degree, a master's degree in spiritual psychology, mm. to really help understand what the, this sense of purpose and um, and connection. I think um, so. I, I'm looking forward to what you what what you found to be particularly helpful when it comes to sense of purpose. Well, I, first I was, I was um, really, again, I, my mind was blown about what science is telling us, medical science about purpose. I mean, 
they're looking at these things over decades and showing us and publishing this. It just doesn't get a lot of um, media attention, I think. And you mentioned it very early on in our conversation that not only do we want to age longer, but we want to age longer and enjoy our golden years. Um, we work so hard to get to retirement, not to get sick and be tired and be achy and be unable to travel and enjoy things, but we work so hard so that we can enjoy our, the, the last act or the last chapter of our life. And purpose is clearly, clearly shown to do two things, medically, extend our life and also improve the vitality and, our, and preserve our physical function as we age. And so this is like, I don't know if they've identified the biological reasons that explain that. They just know that there's an association there. And so it made me realize how important that is. If I'm talking to patients about, you know, trying to get them well, I don't want to get them well for three months. I don't want to get them well for six months. I want to get them well for the rest of their life. And I, it would be, I would be remiss if I was not talking to them about how much purpose they feel. How clear do they feel on their purpose? Um, and it doesn't have to be, uh, purposes can be evolved. They can evolve, they can be dynamic, they can be fluid. Um, but we should make every attempt we can to be clear about what it is at any stage of our life. Your purpose at 20 is probably gonna look different when you're, when you're 30 or 40 or 60, um, and that's okay but just having that clarity of this is why I'm here. This is why I get up. This is why I do what I do. And having that sense of clarity, there's ways to do it. There's ways you can, you can hire a purpose coach, you can hire a life coach, you can hire a career coach, you can hire, um, or you can just, you know, um, there's, TED, there's TED Talks on how to find your purpose that you can answer five questions and kind of stimulate that that, um, that discovery process, but doing it and really putting it at, at the center. It's like your compass. How do you know where you're going? You, your purpose serves as your GPS or your compass. Um, and I love it because it, it clearly has a beneficial medical effect on us. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so it's ask your doctor if <laughs> purpose could be right for you. <laughs> don't ask your doctor about the purple pill <laughs> ask your doctor if purpose could be right for you <laughs> well and it's true when we talk about longevity and and healthy aging um you know, people when the people retire at a certain age sometimes they lose their sense of purpose because their life has been so dedicated to that job sure. and they retire and it's like they're just sort of checked out. So I do talk to my patients about, okay, so you're retiring from your job, but what is, what is it, it's going to get you up and excited. And you know, a lot of times, especially in Park City, it's, you know, people are like, well, I'm going to, you know, travel the world and I'm going to do this and this, you know, but, but there are so many people that forget about, they, they, I, well, what happens I think is people identify themselves with their job. And then the next step, they, they don't have any sense of purpose anymore. Yeah. 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 And I don't know about you, but I'm like, I, I'm just not good at like superficial conversation. Like I can do it, but I don't really enjoy it. And so what, you're, what you were just saying makes me feel like, let's talk about things that matter. Like 
Yes, if you're retiring, there's things you want to do. It totally makes sense. But if you have not still either asked yourself um, yet or asked yourself, well, what is my purpose now that I have this, all this freedom because of retirement? I mean, at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed at some point, I mean, don't you want to know like why you did everything and what kind of a legacy you left and did I leave the world better than I found it and whatever it is for you. I think that's what I want to talk to people about. And some people are thinking about it and some people are not thinking about it, but they will think about it if we open up the conversation with them. Yeah. So true. And what I'm noticing about uh, millennials and the younger generations is that this, that sense of purpose is very important to them. And it's really beautiful to see like they're, they're um, choosing their jobs or their career paths from mm. a sense of purpose. And there, mm. you know, there's some kids say, I don't want to go to college because um, I really want to be feel called to do something rather than just spend a lot of money when I don't know yet what I want to do. And it's really interesting to see this shift and uh, it's, it's exciting to see. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I mean, I've been amazed um, just even in this last year of learning how much um, the workforce, the, the workforce is changing, right? The millennial workforce is sort of growing and the baby boomer workforce is, is diminishing and employers are having to modernize their thought process because millennials and younger and younger workforce people in that in that demographic they're not driven by money um they're really driven by uh which gives me hope they're really driven by um like what's important in life and they they don't want to work a thousand hours a week they want to they want to have work-life balance um and they want to work for an employer that recognizes their own well-being and then and not just their their value as a worker but their value as a human being um, and so that's, that, there's a lot going on in, in, uh, in corporate America to understand this and to foster this and to support this. And I feel like every corporation should have a chief naturopathic officer, you know, as part of their C-suite, basically. Yeah. It's interesting to see it all unfolding. Um, well, Brad, it's been so ex like so interesting having this conversation with you and where we've gone with this. Um, anything else you wanted to uh, share with our audience to kind of bring all of these aspects together for that important foundation for well-being? And also tell everybody where they can find out more about you and if you okay. have a free gift for our audience too. Okay, I'll try to remember all that. Um, <laughs> um, well, one, you can find me uh, on drbradbongiovanni.com. Um, and I do have a, a free gift for your, for your tribe. And it really is step one, which is if you want to sort of take an inventory of where you are with oxytocin and love and purpose and clarity and you know, authentic connection in your life, I have a very... Uh, uh, easy downloadable kind of PDF inventory process that I can share with your with your people um, And so they can get that probably um, if they can get it at my site, but they can also get it at your um, spa doctor, you know podcast page um, and I want to say that, you know, I am you know, like the old, you know I don't know if you're too young for this, but back in the 80s, you know, the hair club for men commercial like I'm the president but I'm also a client. I mean, 
this I'm a I'm a doctor and I'm a I'm a champion of well-being, but I'm also a human being and I've been through all of this. I've I've archetyped, I've looked at my life, I've looked at these areas, I've made, I've taken action, I've moved my home, um, I've retired from private practice because I my my purpose has evolved and I want to have a bigger impact. Um, I've, you know, my wife and I have taken a look at, you know, where, what is our social network look like? How can we strengthen that and make it more meaningful to us? And now what I want to do is, you know, I'm, yes, I'm, a, I'm, I'm always going to be a doctor. That's what I kind of do or what I did. But who I am is having these conversations and really encouraging people to explore and take action on deepening and installing this real sense of, of true well-being. And it has to be architected. And first step is take the inventory, but then it has to be architected. How does this look for you? What do the blueprints look like? How are we gonna get you to your destination, which only you define? But that's such a rewarding thing for me that I love now the, 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 the opportunity to start sort of helping people do, do that more in their own lives. Perfect. You did that beautifully. Pulled it all in together. Okay. Very good. <laughs> and I think it, it is so true that when we're following our purpose and or just feel right on track with it, that, there, you know, we can help other people along the way. There's, you know, like you and I, we, we love that. We love helping others and kind of learning ourselves and guiding other people. So thank you for everything that you're doing. Thanks for coming on. As thank you for having me. It was so fun. And I, I love talking about this stuff. I mean, um, I appreciate the opportunity to share it. Yeah, thank you, Brad. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Brad Bongiovanni, and you got some great tips to help improve your sense of well-being. To learn more about him and to grab that free gift that he mentioned, you can go to thespotdoctor.com. Go to the podcast page with this interview and you'll find all the information and links there. And while you're there, I invite you to join the Spot Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. And if you haven't already taken our skin personality type quiz, you can go to theskinquiz.com. Find out what messages your skin is trying to tell you about your health and your stress level and what you can do about it, just go to theskinquiz.com. Also, The Spot Doctor is on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. So you can join the conversation there. And I'll see you next time on The Spot Doctor Podcast.